Good morning slash afternoon slash evening. Welcome to the Calories and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China-Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and I am joined by our co-host, Lena Ben-Abdallah, a PhD student in international relations at the University of Florida. Yi-Ting Wang, a resident China sustainability specialist, is somewhat missing in action, but I'm sure she will be back later on. Maybe she'll even be on later on the pod. Who knows? Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duru, seeks to connect development workers with professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. If you are listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you have heard of Professor Deborah Brottingham and her research. The Dragon's Gift, The Real Story of China and Africa, published in 2010 by the Oxford University Press, is, for a lot of young scholars, the gateway by which they became interested in Africa-China affairs. However, not nearly as many people are aware of her research center, the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies China-Africa Research Initiative, or SICE-CARI. And today we want to remedy that, so we have asked Janet Om on the pod. Ms. Om is the research manager at SICE-CARI, and previously she researched the impact on society, environment, and labor relations of Chinese activity in Africa at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy in Beijing. She has worked on China-Africa issues in the Strategy and Policy Unit of the Office of the President of Rwanda and conducted field research on the role of Chinese business and investment in Rwandan economic development. She studied Mandarin at Peking University. She has studied Mandarin at Peking University in China and holds a BA in Social Studies from Harvard University. Janet, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Winslow. Thank you, Lena, and Eating. Before we get into Sice Carey, could you talk about the postdoctoral research fellow opportunity being offered by the institute? Most importantly, when is the deadline and how does one apply? Right. So this postdoctoral research fellow opportunity is uh, something we're hiring for. That will the position will be from the summer of 2016 to the summer of 2017. So it's a one-year position. The deadline for the application is February 26th. So um, in less than two weeks. And basically, you can find the information for um, applying on our website, sicecarry.org. And uh, basically, the work that the fellow will be doing is cleaning and analyzing a lot of data on Chinese finance and investment in Africa, as well as spending time on their own China-Africa research project of interest. So it's a really good opportunity to work with us and um, help produce research within our center, but also a platform for exploring one's own interests. Um, and because it is a postdoctoral research fellow opportunity, uh, the candidate should have completed all PhD training. And full disclosure, Lena, you are thinking about applying, correct? Uh, we will we'll see. It's it's a very um, it's it, it's at its very initial stages. Okay, so my question uh, would be: so I have two questions. A technical one. One of the requirements is um, the um, the letters of reference or mm -hmm. the information for the for the references should the letters be in say before the deadline or or only shortlisted candidates will be asked for letters or how does that work right so um the references for the application we're going to ask for three references 
And afterwards, we're going to email the referees to ask for recommendations. So um, definitely inform them that you're going to maybe potentially um, that we're going to potentially ask for recommendation letters, but you don't have to submit them up front. And is the, and, and I'm not sure if you can answer this question, but uh, so is this for one position or multiple positions? It's for one position. For one position. Yep. Somewhere, I think in the description, it kind of also talks about um, skills in econometrics. Um, mm-hmm. So is that more or less a kind of a requirement or how can you speak to that? I mean, definitely it's preferred the more quant skills that a person has um, because we will be working with a lot of data, but it's not essential. It is very strongly recommended, but we look at the candidate holistically. And how about language skills? Are there any kind of preferences? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Chinese is definitely crucial. Uh, Like reading skills, speaking skills? Reading, writing, speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll be working with a lot of Chinese sources. So um, being able to under interpret and digest those things very quickly is important. Um, I think I had one more question, which is a little bit less technical and more into mm-hmm. the profile of the researcher. Is um, the position focusing mostly on research in sub-Saharan Africa, or does this would this include somebody kind of interested in looking at North Africa, China's engagement in the North African region, as opposed to specifically Sub-Saharan Africa? Yeah, so we've found this question before. We do focus on both Sub-Saharan Africa and Northern Africa. We focus on all 54 countries. Um, Definitely in the China-Africa field, it seems like there's usually more of a focus on Sub-Saharan Africa, but for us, we really want to track everything. So it will be very complete. Excellent. And then a kind of an, a, a last question for me. Um, what's the what's the um, timeline for you know screening and looking at the applications? Do you have like an idea how long it would take for candidates to hear back? Right. So the application deadline is February 26, uh, 11:59 p.m. EST, and depending on how many applications we get. We'll um, read those over the next few weeks after the deadline. And then by the end of March, we'll have notified candidates about their application. Um, That's the goal. And then the formal offer will be made in April. Very good. Thank you very much for the clarifications. I'm sure this will be very useful to our listeners. For sure. I am delighted that there is a position like this that exists in the world and I trust you will get a lot of very, very well-qualified candidates. So, moving on, Janet, what is the vision of Carry? What sort of research is it trying to promote, and who is the audience? What is the significance of it being based in the United States and led by an American researcher? Does that affect how you conduct your research? Right. Those are all really good questions, Winslow. I try. I try. (laughs) We were launched in 2014, um, so we're about two years old. And basically, our goal is to be very evidence-driven. Obviously, we're a research center, so we focus on both quantitative and qualitative research methods. Um, 
But for us, it's a lot about watertight, rigorous research, looking at sources, cross-checking sources, talking to people to verify those sources. It's very much we want accurate information because our idea is that um, by promoting this kind of ev evidence-based understanding of relations between China and African countries um, through high-quality data collection, field research, conferences, and collaboration, we can better paint a picture of what's really happening between China and Africa. And as a result, more um, with better information, better policy decisions can be made. So that's really what we're about. And in terms of being based in the U.S., that definitely influences, influences a lot um, our focus. So we have more of a U.S.-China-Africa angle often. Um, being based in D.C., we've done some collaborations or consultations with uh, groups such as the World Bank, USAID, various think tanks here in D.C. Um, we've done congressional briefings, and we'll have more of those. So we definitely have the U.S. policy perspective in mind a lot of the time. Um, and I can give you maybe a little bit of a breakdown of the research if that's interesting to you guys. I'm interested in it. Definitely. Okay, great. So we have several main research areas that we focus on. Um, the first one is on Chinese agricultural investments in Africa. And this has been a very big part of our efforts, especially with the release of our director, Professor Deborah Bradigam's book in October, um, Will Africa Feed China? And this is based on lots of research on this topic. So um, that's been a very big project for us. And we have some new data that we're updating regularly online related to these investments. Um, our second area is Chinese hydropower finance in Africa. So um, we've also published on this a working paper, a policy brief, and we have more to come. This is obviously a very hot topic in the China-Africa relationship. And third is flying geese in African industries. So this is focused on Chinese manufacturing in Africa. And uh, in this regard, we've had a focus on looking at Ethiopia's leather sector and some of the manufacturing projects there. But we're expanding on that as well. Um, fourth, we have Chinese loans to Africa. And this is something that we've been working on very much for the past several months with our research assistants based at Sites Carry. And basically, we're working to collect data on Chinese loans to Africa and clean it and analyze it so we can have a very accurate, um, complete database. And finally, we focus on Chinese FDI and structural transformation in Africa. And this is uh, funded by a grant that we got from ESRC and DFID, a joint grant between the two of them in the UK. Could you give us what those acronyms spell out? Oh, right. Yeah, not everybody is aware. So um, Economic and Social Research Council, and then the UK's Department for International Development. So uh, they're funding a lot of this work, our last research project, which is looking a lot at um, Chinese FDI in Africa. And right now we are producing some desk studies, which is basically literature research on this topic. And that way we'll be able to map out a lot of the investments that are happening. And from that, we're going to choose several to focus field studies on um, those countries that we feel are most interesting or could be most fruitful for research. Um, we're going to invest more time into those. So those are our research projects. Um, so yeah, one of our grants that we got, the DFID ESRC one, 
focuses a lot on looking at Chinese investment in Africa. And then we have a grant from Carnegie Corporation of New York as well. And that grant is really funding our efforts to bridge policy and research. So a little bit of what I was mentioning before, us being based in D.C. and how much we try to interact with more of the policymaking world um, with our research. So um, in the past, very recently, we've done several very neat events under this grant. One of them was a China-Africa Researchers Luncheon, um, which was in the fall, and basically collecting a lot of China-Africa researchers here in D.C. to share findings and discuss um, where they think the field of this research is going. So that was very fruitful. And another... Janet, could I get invited to the next one? <laughs> now that you've had me on my on your pod, yes, of course. That's the only ticket that I, I have, having a podcast, <laughs> not an actual researcher. And, cool. and we also had this very cool event where before the FOCAC in December, we had this pre-FOCAC briefing at SICE, um, basically that we hosted with African ambassadors in D.C. So this is a policy roundtable where we presented our research and it was really great to uh, be able to hear some of the perspectives of these African ambassadors um, on on some of these China-Africa issues. And so those kind of events are things that we fund under the Carnegie Corporation Grant. Um, many of our audience members also may know of the fellowships that we have, um, which are very popular and basically this is for field research. Um, anybody can apply, any researcher. And we give out grants for people to do field research from um, several weeks to even several months in the field. And from that, they will produce policy briefs or working papers, um, hopefully. And that's all funded under this Carnegie Corporation grant. So, yeah, those are very exciting. Um, in the spring, over the next few months, we'll be hosting more policy roundtables. And... Um, solidifying a lot of our internal database work. And uh, as a result of that, we'll have a lot of interesting events here in D.C. And lastly, um, we have these annual conferences that we hold every year. And uh, this year we'll be holding it in October here at SICE. And the topic is going to be China-Africa Energy Cooperation. So we're super excited to um, explore this new topic. So would you recommend anybody interested in China-Africa to come to D.C. in October? So the conference has traditionally been invite only. Um, so, I mean, if you have a particular interest in this China-Africa area, energy area, or you've done previous research yourself, I definitely encourage uh, you to reach out to us, email us, um, and we can go from there. Excellent. Janet, is there going to be another round for the small grant things that the center um, has, like in the spring, or is it going to be fall? Yes, we plan to have um, another fellowship round very soon. Um, we haven't quite set the dates for it yet, but we generally do a spring round and a fall round. So we'll be uh, getting ready for a spring round very soon. Okay. That is incredible. Very active, very productive, yeah. On, on behalf of all Sino Africanists everywhere, thank you. My pleasure. Finally, Sice Carey, for our listeners' knowledge, SciScary has two fantastic resources for Africa, um, for Africa-China researchers. Uh, the policy briefs and working papers that Janet mentioned, as well as the not finished database, but uh, data sets on China-Africa statistics writ large. 
what do you have planned for these projects? Are you going to turn them into a, a publication of some sort? And how will they grow in the coming years? And how have people been using them so far? Right. So our policy briefs and working papers, um, those make up a lot of our publications. The policy briefs have traditionally been um, an output of our conferences. So if you go on our website and you look at a lot of the policy briefs, you'll see that there's a heavy agriculture focus because our first annual conference was on Chinese agricultural um, activity in Africa. But um, now we're starting to really expand the focus and the themes of these uh, publications. And so very recently, um, several of us here at Sites Carry, we produced a policy brief on the FOCAC in December and uh, connecting a lot of the research we've done on FDI, trade, loans, et cetera, um, to some of these goals that were or some of these commitments that were made back in December. So we've definitely been expanding the focus of these. Um, we also invite people to write some things for us that we could potentially turn into a policy brief or working paper. And so, yeah, that's always going to be a big project for us. Um, and then in terms of the data, yeah, we have several different collections of data on our website, which um, the goal is that really as a resource for people who are trying to do accurate research on China and Africa, they can come to our website, access this data really easily. You can even sign up on our website to get database updates. So because the goal is to keep it very up to date, whenever we do update it and put in new information, you'll get an email if you're on that list. Um, so right now we're doing a lot of data collection analysis on Chinese loans, as I mentioned, this is all internal. Um, but when we finish that up, we're going to try and produce um, some other writings that analyze that data that we have collected. So um, yeah, our center is very data driven and we encourage other people to value this data also. For for listeners' knowledge, why why the emphasis on accurate data? From from your perspective, how much inaccurate data is out there, and what does that mean for you? And what does it mean for policymakers? Right. I mean, yeah, our center is really based on the idea that getting an accurate picture is super important for any policymaking decisions. And one of the themes that we've noticed over the years is that, um, you know, a lot of the time some project will be proposed or there'll be a lot of excitement or um, controversy around a certain project. But the reality is that when these projects try to take off, there are certain bottlenecks, certain things that don't go as expected and maybe they never happen, but there's still some assumption that that project took place and it's a huge number, huge implications, mm -hmm. but um, it doesn't exist. So uh, that kind of misunderstanding is something we're trying to combat. I am in huge favor of that. And it's one of the things that I come across all the time. And, and it's from, from multiple sources, but thank you for even trying to tell the real story of China and Africa, as it were. Yeah. And that's about it for my questions. Lena, do you have any questions? Uh, no, this was uh, very informative. Thank you very much, Janet. Great. We are going to move on to recommendations. So, Janet, do you have any recommendations for our listeners? Right. Well, Winslow and I had lunch uh, the other day. I'll make two recommendations. So we had lunch at this Thai restaurant near Sice, Bo Thai, which was very good. 
Um, their pad thai is always reliable. So that's a restaurant recommendation. And I'm going to continue on the theme of food. Um, when I was doing my field research in Rwanda and Kigali, there's this one really great restaurant there. It's a Mexican restaurant started by an expat, and it's called Meze Fresh. And it's just one of those local haunts that everybody knows about. Um, super fresh ingredients, talk, great tacos. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a craving for Chipotle when you're abroad, you go there. Um, so that's one of my favorite spots in Kigali. So if you're ever passing through, I would highly recommend a stop at Meze Fresh. I love it. Most excellent. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Lena, what about yourself? Uh, so over the past weekend, there was um, the Munich Security Conference, uh, which took place. So it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And my recommendation for our listeners is a panel that's uh, not necessarily China-Africa related, though China-Africa angle of it was it kept coming up. The, 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 comp- the panel was titled Doubling Down, China and the International Order. Um, and so... Some of the panelists included uh, high-level uh, officials uh, from China, basically uh, the chairwoman of the Committee on, on Foreign Affairs of the National People's Congress. Uh, and then you had a senator from the U.S., a, a, a minister from Singapore, and a, a former prime minister of Australia. The panel was uh, extremely insightful on China's foreign policy uh, as it relates to its neighborhood, neighboring countries, uh, also to the U.S. and also abroad in general. So definitely towards um, African states. One can definitely draw implications from that. Um, and so I definitely recommend our listeners to just check it out. It is uh, uh, There's a link to it on the Munich Security Conference website. I think they have all panels there. Um, and so this particular panel happened on the second day, which is Saturday, and it's very easy to just, you know, look up Munich Security Conference 2016 and just uh, see the panels uploaded there and just check it out. Um, it, it was a fascinating discussion, and from what I hear, it was one of the very first times that this, actually it was the first time that the, the Munich Security Conference had a panel on this uh, specific issue or specific question of China and international order. And uh, it, it, was, it was really good. It was a very good conversation. So uh, that's my recommendation. Great. Wonderful. And Lena was doing some, some live tweeting of the conference, and it was fantastic. That's correct. As for myself, I was pondering what to give, and, and there was actually quite a lot of really good stuff recently, but I'm going to recommend something close to the heart, which is the fourth Chinese in Africa, Africans in China conference which is held by the Chinese in Africa, Africans in China Research Network, where I used to be a research associate back last year. And they're holding a conference in Nairobi in late August. And the conference called Convergences and Divergences, Interdisciplinary Approaches to Media and Communications in Africa-China Engagement. And basically, go to Nairobi to go to this conference. And their call for papers has been extended to the 29th of February. So, you should definitely submit a paper, please. Please, please. Uh, Lena and I might be submitting a paper, and it might do social media, haha. <laughs> but you should check it out because um, outside of Washington, D.C., the finest collection of China Africa minds will converge for this conference. Size Carey has the D.C. folks on lockdown. 
yeah, that's that's about it. Before we sign off, Janet, how do people find you or Size Carry on the internet? Do you have a website or a Twitter account that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, so our website is sizecarry.org. So that's S-A-I-S hyphen C-A-R-I dot org. Um, our Twitter handle is sizecarry. And our Facebook page is the Size China Africa Research Initiative. Um, so those are all really good ways to stay up to date. But I'd say the best way to stay up to date is to sign up for our newsletter, which you can do on our website. There's, um, If you go to the homepage at the bottom, there's a join our mailing list link. So uh, you can sign up there. And if you want to stay up to date on our data, you can also go on the data page of our website. And uh, that's a separate list. So those are all really good ways to stay in touch. Terrific. And I cannot recommend your website and digital outreach enough. And for the love of God, sign up for their newsletter. Um, <laughs> Lena, what about yourself? I am on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at LBenabdella. That's L-B-E-N-A-B-D-A-L-L-A. And what do you tweet about? Oh, um, China, Africa, and beyond. I love that. China, Africa, and beyond. I should steal that. That's a good line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I myself can be found on cowriesrice.blogspot.com and www.cowriesrice.com, the latter site housing my fledgling China Africa consultancy. In addition, my Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R, and I tweet about China Africa news, events, opinions, and arcana. And there's been some amazing stuff entering into my feed as of late that hopefully we'll, we'll explore at a, at a later pod, but... You don't have to follow me. Just follow the hashtag SinoAfrica. My Twitter handle is superfluous, actually. Yeah, that's that's about it for today's episode. Janet, we would like to thank you for joining us from a very cold Washington, D.C., where we had a light dusting of snow. I didn't even leave the house. It was freezing. We would also like to thank African Development Jobs. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Tune in Radio, Double Twist, and iTunes. We are also teaming up with WTND Community Radio from Macomb, Illinois, to share our podcast. We would also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing the theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care. 